Uh, welcome to Evangelism 101. This is going to be a six-week course with Tim Thiesfeld. So, uh, Tim, it's all yours, man. Bam. Oh, and then a, you might want to pray as he sits down. Okay. Yes, we will uh, open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the time we can come together. God, we just pray that you will be present here with us. Lord, just uh, God, help us to see the things that you have us to see throughout this study, God, and just to uh, focus on the things that you've asked us to do and and uh, do it in the way that you've asked us to do it as well. God, we just pray that you will open up our hearts and our minds as we go through this scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. So, week one, boy, this shifted hard. It was everybody over here, and now nobody is over here. Three people over here, and everybody has moved over here. Three people now. Three people. See, there you go. I got you. I got you two more. See, that's how that works. See? Evangelism, see that? We've multiplied three to five. That's how that works. Um, so week one, I want to do kind of a, an overview, um, basics of whose responsibility it is. Um, and then over the next few weeks, we're going to go into how to do it. We're going to look at examples in the Bible um, of how Paul and some other people, how they did it, the things that, that worked, the things that didn't work, um, and kind of go over just that, you know, hey, it didn't work every time for them either. So we're going to go over all that kind of stuff. We're going to spend one week on how to tell your story and how to get a, a tight, uh, short way to, to present to somebody and then how you can unpack that as you build that relationship so it's not just dumping everything you've got on somebody all at once. So we're going to spend one week on that, and then we'll do some practical uh, stuff too at the end. So this week I want to go over just kind of a... a a basic overview, we're going to hit a couple scriptures that we're going to focus more on the next few weeks. But first, I want to get, I want to get some feedback here. So we called it Evangelism 101. We'll put the 101 on the end so that the word evangelism doesn't scare you because it's like evangelism for beginners. It's like this is how that is. So I want to know what comes to your mind when you say the word evangelism. What's the first thing you think of? Spreading the word. Outreach. With this motion. Gotcha. Gotcha. With that motion. Anybody else? Evangelism. Talking about Jesus. Sharing faith. Televangelists. Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. Evangelism, to me, is a very churchy word. Nobody outside of the church knows what that means. So we're going to break it down into a much easier, simple, what does this mean? It does not mean that you need to go out and get a TV show. It does not mean that you're going to have a checklist when you leave here going, okay, I need to do this and then this and then this and then this and then this. It's not, sometimes we overthink it and we, we try to do too much and that's not, what God has asked us to, and then other times we do too little. When we have opportunity, we don't do anything. So I want to talk about that. Obviously, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission, as all good evangelist studies start, evangelism studies start with. This is our basic um, outline verse that we are going to go back to over and over and over again. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And I'm reading out of the ESV, if you're wondering. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's, let's look at the, the context here of what's happening. So this is Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's going back. This is right before the ascension into heaven. So he has been on earth as a resurrected Christ, and now he is about to go back into heaven. And he called the disciples. If you, if you look back in verse 16, it's going to say he called the disciples to meet him 
on top of the mountain where he told them this. So he came to them and he said, go into all the world. So what's the, what is the big deal about what he said here? The big deal is this is right before he went back into heaven. So he's saying, I've died. I've risen from the dead. I've been on earth. Now, before I go, I want to tell you something. Go into all the world. This is his last instruction before he went and ascended back into heaven. So we have to take that seriously. When we talk about people's um, last words before they die, famous people, we, we look at the things that they say before they die, things like that, um, and we put weight in that. Their dying wish was this. Well, this is not Jesus' dying wish. This is Jesus rose from the dead and then said this before he went back to heaven. So before I go, this is something I need to tell you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you look at verse 18, before that it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he starts off by going, listen, I have been given all authority. Nobody else is above me. I've got it all. Now, as me telling you, all authority is given to me, here's what I want you to do. Why am I telling you this? Because I have all the authority. So now I'm telling you, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So it's a very, very important command that he's given to us. Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Notice it doesn't say, teach them to memorize all I've commanded you. And I think that's something that we get very good at, is we memorize things that this, I mean, this scripture is very common uh, to all of us. I'm sure we've heard it many, many times to the point where we memorize it. And then it gets to be that thing that pops in your head. And you just go, yeah, go into all the world, preach the gospel, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Da, 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 da. And it doesn't become that actual instruction as much as it is more of, oh, this is what he said when he was here. I remember that. Am I actually doing that? So what I like to do when I get a verse that I've known for, you know, since I was a child, I look at it in a different uh, translation than I'm used to, just so it mixes the words up a little bit, because then I feel like it can kind of give me a little bit different perspective. You know, when you're talking to somebody else and they're telling you the same story that you heard from somebody else, but they say it different and it kind of dawns on you a little bit. So I want to look at it in, in the message. Let me read you the same three verses out of the message. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way, marking them by baptism in the threefold name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So the difference that they, the, the way that they word it is, teach everyone you meet. Now, to me, that gives me a whole different perspective on it. Because going to, um, When you say, go therefore make disciples of all nations, I think of missionaries. Anybody else with me? I think of missionaries. Go, go way out there. But when I hear teach everyone you meet, I think of mailman, waitresses, the people I work with, family members. I think of a whole different perspective of people. And neither one is wrong because it's all of that. We have the responsibility to speak to the people God has put in our life. We have the responsibility to send missionaries, support them, but we can't just say, I'm putting 10 bucks in the missionary offering, now I'm done. That's not how that works. We're clearly called to reach everyone we meet. Now, that does not mean that everyone we meet is going to get saved, become a Christian. That does not mean every conversation we have is going to be easy or comfortable. That doesn't mean that every word that comes out of our mouth has to be pushing somebody towards becoming a Christian. It doesn't mean any of that. We have to learn how to get that life balance and, uh, and how to feel that out. 
Do you remember in Sesame Street? I remember growing up, there was a song, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood? Anybody remember that? The people that you meet each day. The mailman is a person in your neighborhood. He's a person that you meet each day. There's a whole bunch of people trying to, the policeman is a person in your neighborhood. All these people that are going through this thing. That's what we're talking about here. It's not, I have to figure out a way to reach the pygmies in Africa. If God's called me to that, yes, I do. But on my day-to-day, that's not where God's called me to be. He's put me in a job. He's put me in a location. He's put me in a place because that's where he wants me to reach the people that I come in contact with. So the big question is, are we doing that? Are we doing it and are we doing it well? I think something that, at least in my lifetime, I feel like I was taught more to invite people to church than I was to talk to people about Jesus. It was, yeah, invite them to church. Invite them to church. Um, Because somehow I could then, I guess, put the responsibility on pastor to make sure that they hear the gospel. But that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say go into all the world, invite people to church so the pastor can go ahead and close the deal for you. That's not where we need to be at. We've got to be influencing the people that we're with. Inviting people to church is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I think we, we've got this Western culture thought of the church is for um, people to come in, you know, when they're at their lowest of the low, when they need Jesus and all that stuff. But the reality is when they are, they're probably not coming into the church unless someone has already spoken to them about Jesus. They don't just go, boy, I'm having a terrible life. I think I'll go to church. It's not really the first thing that comes to mind. And we go to church so that we can encourage one another, we can spur one another on, we can teach, we can train, we can empower people to go out into the world to save the sinner and then get them saved and then they come into the church to be built up and taught and trained in how to go out and reach even more. But we we get a little confused there and I, I can say it from both ways because I've been in the pastoral, I've been in the pew. I've had people at both times think that it was my job and not theirs. It's not the pastor's job to reach the people God's put in your life. It's not your job to reach the people that God has put in the pastor's life. God has people in our lives for a reason. And, I mean, I got to the point... I remember I was pastoring in Fort Dodge, and I had somebody come in up to me at church and say, hey, can you come and talk to my neighbor about Jesus? I'm like, okay, you know, why? Like, what's going on? Something happened in their life. No, I've talked to them a few times. I think they're, I think they're interested. I think they might, you know, give their life to Christ. And I'm like, and so you want me to come? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, do you have a relationship with them? Oh, yeah, we get along great. And they like you. Yeah. Then why would they want to talk to me? Talk to them. You're the one that's already built that relationship. Me coming in as some outsider is going to look like, let me call in the big dogs, and then it's like, oh, crud, you know, here come, who's this dude, and whatever, and they're going to clam up. It's a matter of God put them in your life so that you can speak to that and you can build that relationship, and they'll see that in you. And we're going to talk about that in weeks to come, too, on, on how to um, live a life that shows that people want to be Uh, like that, how you can do that, but how it's not just simply letting people see you and they're going to automatically want to become like you. You've got to talk too. Okay, so there's interaction there for sure. But if I have somebody that I work with that I've been working with and they have questions about Jesus, I don't call up pastor and say, can you go visit them because, you know, they're ready. They're primed. That's not your role. And that's not, there are people that I can reach that he can't. There are people that he can reach that I can't. There are people you can reach that wouldn't talk to me at all. And vice versa. I mean, there, there's a reason that God has put us where he put us. Uh, the Bible says that he had plans before you were formed in your mother's womb. He had plans for you. It wasn't, you were born and now what am I going to do with you? It's, 
I need this to happen, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create this person so that they're in line in this place at that moment so that they can take care of this. He's got it all figured out. He's got a plan. I'm jumping all around here. This is why I don't have a PowerPoint today because I'm all over the place. Um, so second verse I want to look at is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 2 Tim 2, 1, 2. It says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he's saying, the reason I'm here is to instruct people who will then go and teach other people. You have been taught by somebody. Somebody spoke into your life, which resulted in you giving your life to the Lord. That was not the end of it. You were entrusted with that so that you will continue to pass that on, which is where we get into evangelism, discipleship. How do we grow that? How do we keep it going? You don't want to be the end of the road. That's not why you were entrusted with it. You weren't entrusted with it just for you. You were entrusted with it for you to give to others. There's a responsibility that comes with being a Christian. There is a command that Jesus gave us, and things that we need to do, and that is one of them. It is never given to us so that we can hoard it, so that we can hold it and hunker down in our bunker and say, okay, come Lord Jesus, I'm going to be here and I'm good, you know, me and my family, we're all good, so bring it on, end the world, whatever. It should be we have a job to do. Before this thing is over, I want to get as many as possible. I want to get the people that I love, the people that I care about, and the people that are just standing on the side of the road. I don't know them for nothing, but if we really believe that the result of not knowing Jesus is going to hell, that should be motivation enough. I don't want to see anybody go there. I want to get everybody I can. Now, on the other side of that, I've seen people who automatically go, well, I led somebody to the Lord. I guess I must be called to be an evangelist. I'm going to quit my job and hit the road. Again, don't go overboard. <laughs> Maybe God has called you to that. But, you know, percentage-wise, I'm going to guess probably not. Um, that's not how you know you have a calling to be a pastor, evangelist, or whatever, is because you led somebody to the Lord. We're all supposed to be doing that. That's part of being a Christian, not being a pastor. I have seen some people who have made, have become pastors just for that reason, and it didn't end well, because that was not what they were called to do. And it, it's seeing, okay, what has God called us to do? How do I put that into where I'm at and where he's called me to be and how do I limit that to exactly what he's called me to and I'm not picking up on, well, he called somebody else to this, so I also have to do that. So we're going to talk about that in future weeks. We need to have a desire to tell people about Jesus. We have to have, like I said, if we really believe that people are going to go to hell, we should really have the desire to get out there and save them. I mean, if somebody was crossing the street and there was a car coming, would we not yell at them? Tell them to get out of the way, watch out? But we're watching people day in, day out, live lives that are going to result in much worse than getting hit by a car. Are we calling out to them and telling them, stop? First John Chapter 1, verse 4. If you look in, in the context there, verse 4 says, and we are write these things so that our joy may be complete. So he is, what he's saying there is, I know Jesus, I follow his word, but I do not have full joy until I tell somebody else. I have to. I have this compelling in me to tell someone else. And so my joy may be complete, not just because I'm sharing it with you, 
but because I want to see you in heaven. That would make my joy complete, is that this life is not the end of it for our relationship. My joy is complete when I know that you'll be in heaven with me. But the way that he, he writes that, my joy will be complete, is until that day comes, there's something missing. There's something in me that's missing. And that's that heart desire that we need to have is, do I have something missing when I have family members, when I have close friends, when I have loved ones, coworkers that are not serving Christ, that are not going to heaven? Is there a pull inside of me that says, I've got to find a way to speak into their life, no matter if they hate my guts for it or not? Do I have that desire? Do I have that pull? Do I need to do it? Now, it's very clear throughout the Bible that it's our job to tell people about Jesus. So there are good ways to do that. There are not so good ways to do that. I want to I hear from you. What are some examples about things, good or bad, ways that uh, you've experienced, seen, heard, whatever, of ways that people witness to other people, tell people about Jesus, good or bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you accidentally get saved, that's that's something. That's something. Yeah. There, well, there are people that they're just pushy, overwhelming, and you just run people over. I've I've seen that absolutely. Um, yeah. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Anybody else? Give me some other ways that you're. The, the 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 sign guy, yes, the sign guy on the sign. I, I, you know, I, I thought for the longest time that was just the movies, and then when I started traveling to bigger cities, that really happens. And I'm like, there was, here's the thing. Today, when I was driving back uh, from work, I was coming back from Storm Lake, I went through a town, there was a guy on the side of the road, not even kidding you, just reading the Bible out loud, like really loud, just yelling it. There was nobody around, and I'm like, it's winter, huh? And I'm like, it's winter. Yeah. I'm like, everybody's got their windows up. It's winter. Nobody's listening. Like, I'm not saying that that's bad, but I don't know how, I don't know how effective it is in the middle of winter. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I gave him a wave. I gave him a wave. I don't like to discourage people when they're out there doing stuff. But I, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go find somebody to talk to rather than just, that's me. Anyway, anybody else? Other ways? The John 316 guy. 360, yeah. They're John 316 guy at the football game. Yep. Yep. Which, again, it, you know, the first time that that happened or whatever, they said that there was all these hits online and all this stuff. Um, but there again, let's, let's get something new. Let's re, instead of recreating the same old thing all the time, let's get something new. Turn the page. You know, get another chapter, verse, something. You know, let's, let's go somewhere. But, uh, yeah. And, and you know what? Those are all, those things are fine as long as you're not saying that's the end. I'm done. You know, this is it. I held up my sign. I got it on TV. I'm done. Okay? So give me some more classic ones here. Come on. The Amway. Mm -hmm. The ambush. The ambush. Yeah. The, I thought you invited me for this and I got this instead. Yeah, that usually works out really well for anything when you're ambushed. I love to buy products when people sneak up on me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree.
So when you actually listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and do exactly what he's asked you to do, and you don't go overboard afterwards and stretch it out for another 25 minutes, that, that is good. That's, that's where we need to be. And that's one thing we're going to talk about is, is hearing that voice and seeing, okay, where, when do I know that the Holy Spirit is leading me to this, and when is it just me going, well, that person looks like they should. I, we had, we had um, there was a gal in my church in Clinton, and, and she did have some uh, mental issues, but she used to walk up to people in restaurants and be like, listen, God told me you're going to hell, so you need to fix it right now. And I'm like, and, and I was like, do you know that person? She's like, nope, I just saw it in their face. They just had the devil all over them. I'm like, okay, so we need to reel that in just a hair, you know, just a little bit. Um, again, I don't think that's probably the best. She... <laughs> She had good intentions, but uh, bad execution. Bad execution. Mm. I, I have seen so many Facebook arguments. I have never one time in my life heard of anybody getting saved because of a Facebook argument. It's never happened in the history of Facebook. I just, I just don't think so. And you know what? I'm a little scared for my own self because I've scrolled past many things that said if you scroll past the, you know, like for Jesus and scroll past for the devil, and I have scrolled right on by. And so I'm going to have to answer for that one day. I'm going to have to answer for that. When Jesus says, you scrolled by, I was on Facebook and you scrolled by me. That was, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, you know, that's, that's a, a chain letter to me. That's a pass this on or, or you don't love Jesus. Well, you know what? Don't tell me what to do or you don't love Jesus. I don't know. It's like, that's, so one of the classic ones that I almost sent you a picture the other day because I know you'd get a kick out of this. I saw a chick track in a bathroom at a Casey's in the area. I was working. I went in the bathroom. There's a little, there's a little, a chick track. It's a little track and a little paper thing. Um, yeah. I, I remember, kind of, but they're different themes. And if you go way back, Somebody dropped some off at the church that I worked at one time, and he dropped them off so we could use them. And I look back, I'm like, these are from the 70s. It literally was like, God hates rock and roll. There was one about men shouldn't have long hair. And I'm like, seriously? Like, who am I going to hand this to? Um, but the thing with the chick track is you'd, you'd stick them in the bathroom, you stick them wherever, or you just, like, give them to somebody or put them with a tip, something like that. You don't ever have to actually talk to a person. You just leave the track. And the one that I saw, it had an, uh, a black silhouette of a man's face, and it said, who is this man? And I saw it, it was on top of the, the paper towel thing in the bathroom, and I looked at it, I said, who is this man? I'm like, it, it's 2021, come on. That, I don't know who that man is, but he might have COVID. I ain't touching that thing. I'm like, I'm not picking up random paperwork in the bathroom anymore. Not happening. It's not happening. But... I've been handed that before when I was in high school, worked at Walmart. I had somebody hand it to me when I was ringing them up with the money. I've had people. Um, the, the tip, yes. The, the money, the tip money, that is not good. Um, if you're going to put a fake $50 bill tip track, there better be a real $50 bill inside of it. Otherwise... You are just going to anger a waitress who is working very hard, thinking she just got a $50 tip, and she just got stuck. Um, yeah, I hate that one. <laughs> because, it, like, the first line is, are you disappointed? Well, this is worth much more than $50. And I'm like, it's, it's just, yeah. 
that's, you know, I used to tell people, because um, people give them out at Halloween, they give out tracks. And so you can give out a track at Halloween to a kid, but it better have a full-size candy bar attached to it. It better be the real deal. And not, I remember, there's a certain church in this town that during parade when I was a kid, they would throw stuff out, and I would scramble this foil, brightly colored foil paper. I would grab them all up, and it was tracks rolled up, wrapped in colored paper, and tied up on the ends like a piece of candy. And they just threw them all out. I'm telling you, it's a certain church, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, because then the Methodists will get mad at me. I remember to this day, I remember to this day, it, that's what I remember exactly where it came from. If you put a chick track out, don't stamp, I, I think I've got pastor's approval, don't stamp the CGA address and phone number on the back of it. Don't do that. Um, I, yeah, my thing is, if you're going to hand somebody a chick track, just talk to them instead. Don't hand them a thing. Uh, I've used them in the past to say, hey, I've talked to you about this, and this one has this specific, uh, more details about this thing we've talked about. Take it home, look at it. It's got some scriptures in it, study, and then come back and talk to me. And we'll go over some of the stuff. Utilizing things like that for that purpose, great. Just giving it to somebody so you don't have to talk to them, not good. Not good. The fake money. Uh, in fact, I will even tell you, in Clinton, they kicked people out of Fairway for that because they were sticking them in the bread sacks. They were undoing the bread and putting them in the bread. And they threw them out. And, and that, so, yeah, they, uh, they were not allowed to do that anymore. Um, the door-to-door. Anybody ever gone door-to-door? Anybody done door-to-door? The door-to-door, okay? I went out door-to-door one time with a guy who was, like, supposed to be the best, okay? This guy, and he was a closer, man. This guy, two minutes, he had him. He had him. Knowing they're a sinner, he had them crying, and he had them saved, and we were moving on to the next house, like two minutes flat. He was good. Never saw one of those people ever come to church or anything like that. Never saw him again. But, man, he could rack the numbers up at the end of the day. How many did you get? Well, I got 25. Really? Yeah, I got all these people, blah, blah, blah. And he was good. He was quick. But uh, did it stick? I don't think so. Were people just saying yes just to get him out of their house? Probably. Um, I used to live across the street from a Jehovah's Witness church. I got a lot of knocks on the door. Um, when I was pastoring in Clinton, I lived there. Then they find out I'm a pastor. Then they send the big dogs. Then they find out I'm Pentecostal. Then they send the bigger dogs. Then they find out I'm spe- I speak in tongues, and then they wrote me off, and I'm going to hell, so I'm done. So lead with that one. If, uh, if you're ever there, lead with that one. They will leave you alone in a hurry. Um, but I was always, they were always sticking something in the door. They were always knocking on the door. And part of me goes, man, if only we had that same kind of passion to get out and do something and talk about it. Now, so I'm going, I, I disagree with what you believe. But part of me wants to go like, good for you for getting out there. But I'm not going to say that because you're spreading lies. So I don't want to do that. But part of me is thinking, man, how do they get everybody to do that? How do they get? How do the Mormons get everybody when they graduate high school to go off for two years and dedicate two years of their life? I mean, it's true, but I'm like, I, I don't know if we preached works if we could still get people to go. I feel like our churches would just go down. I don't know. How do we get that passion for leading people to Christ without the works aspect of it? Um, there has to be works involved. Don't get me wrong. We're not saved by works. But faith without works is dead. We could believe all we want to. But if God put people in your life and you don't share with them, how are they going to get saved? The Bible says, how will they know unless somebody tells them? How are they going to know? The door-to-door thing... The thing that bothers me most about that is you're supposed to plant the seed, water the seed, reap the harvest in this much time. And I don't see that in Scripture. You knock on some random door 
your goal is to close the deal out. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to get you to where you got to go, and I want to close the deal right now. Five minutes. Hurry up. Make up your mind. Hurry up. Go. Come on. Let's go. I always tell people, when, when I talk to people about Jesus, I say, this is the most important decision you are ever going to make in your life. Don't do it quickly. If you need to think about it, think about it. Don't be the seed that sprouts up and the sun scorches it out because it was too fast. Not that I want people to delay in doing it, but if this is the biggest decision you ever have to make in your life and you're going, yeah, I see this, I don't know, sleep on it tonight, talk to me tomorrow. I will call you tomorrow. I don't buy a car without thinking about it for months. Okay, But we expect people just to instantly go, you know what, what you're saying, that's good, I'll do it. Yep, my whole life's going to change tomorrow. We've got to look at it in the right aspect. I want to close that deal. I want to do it now because I care, and I want people to go to heaven. I want people to get saved. But some people you just can't push like that. I mean, they didn't get to where they're at that quickly. They didn't get that far away from Christ that fast. We've got to build that relationship, figure out how do I keep planting the seed, how do I keep watering, keep watering, keep watering, because some people need more water than other people need. Some people need a little bit of water. Some people need a whole lot of water. Okay, So it's something where we've got to figure out how that works for each person, and that comes from building relationship big time. And we're going to spend one week basically just talking about building relationship and how, how to um, utilize that to, to show where God took you from, where he put you at now, and what he can do for other people without giving uh, the promise of, hey, if you say this prayer, your whole life's going to be great. You know, that's not how that works. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this is one we are going to be in this verse probably every single week. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Again, it's one that, that I'm sure you've heard many times, but this is one we're really going to, going to pick apart and, and show how other times in the Bible where people did witness, where they led people to Christ, they utilized this scripture. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 9, says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the ones who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. We can't make the seed grow. We plant the seed. We water the seed. But God makes it grow. I can't, no matter what I do, I think there's, going back to the works thing, we have that aspect where there's something I can do to convince you. There's something I can do to make you want to be a Christian. If I'm convincing you to do it, then it's not for the right reason, and it's not going to stick because God's the one that works the heart. God makes it grow. I can't make it grow, which is frustrating to me because most things in life, I can make them happen. I can make, uh, I can build things, I can fix things, I can whatever, you know, I do sales, I can talk somebody into buying more than they need if I really want to. If I want to bolster my numbers, I can do that. I can talk people into getting coolers and things that they don't really need, or if they do need them, I can talk them into that too. But I can't talk someone's heart into being open to Christ. It's God that's got to make that, that seed grow. So we have to be cautious how far we push and when we push. There are times where we need to push, but we need to know when that is. We have to be ready to share the gospel. We have to know that that is our job. Okay, does God really care if I share the gospel? Does God care at all? Luke chapter 14, verse 34, says, Salt is good, 
But if it's lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or the manure pile. It's thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Salt without taste is no good. It's worthless. What good would salt be without taste? That's what salt's for. What good is a Christian that doesn't share their faith? What good are we to God if we don't tell other people about him? If we're the end of the road. Salt with no taste is not, it says it's not good enough for the soil or the manure pile. So basically he's saying, if you're salt without taste, you would wreck my manure pile. You're not good enough for that. That's not going to work there. He's saying, if you won't speak up for me, honestly, I'd rather have the manure. Because at least it's good for something. Right, Doug? It's good for something. There you go. Yeah, he's saying, I, I would rather have you leave my manure pile alone if you have no saltiness. Now, that doesn't mean be salty in the way that you're thinking when you're talking to people. But is it, does God really care or not if I share the gospel? In my, my job in sales, I have to go service customers every day. The same customers every week to go make sure they've got product on the shelf so they can sell their product, do all that stuff. I get commission on that. That's part of my job. I get bonuses for certain things. If I sign a new customer, I get a bonus. If I can upsell somebody, get them to put in more coolers or give me more shelving space at the store, I get bonus for that. If I don't turn in a bonus for a month, two months, three months, my boss isn't going to yell at me. That's my bonus. That's above and beyond what my job is. Maybe in six months he'll go, okay, is there something going on here? Is there something? Do we need to send somebody there? Do we need to, what do we need to do? Now, if I don't turn in my regular daily commission, it won't take him six months to call me. It won't take him six days. If I turn in nothing for today, I'm getting a call tonight saying, did you do anything today? You didn't do the part of your job that is required. Now, he doesn't really care if I don't do the extra bonus stuff. And I think we tend to make leading people to Christ a bonus. That's a bonus. If that happens, great. Hey, oh, above and beyond. That's more than I'm called to do. But in reality, it's not a bonus. It's part of our job. That's our basic job is to share the gospel. Um, not that we don't get excited. If somebody comes to Christ, absolutely we do. But we act like we've done a great feat you know, oh, I got one. All right, well, I'm good for another year or two or whatever. The reality is we, we shouldn't. If I said, when's the last time you shared Christ with somebody? And you just thought about it, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot or tell me what it is. Can you think of the last time you shared Christ with somebody? And how, far, how long ago was it? Was it a year ago, six months ago? Was it last week? Was it today? If we really think about it, are we missing opportunities? Are we not keeping that at the forefront of our mind to say, okay, when there's an opportunity, I'm going to step in, I'm going to share. If it's been a long time since you have, I'm guessing there's some missed opportunities. If Christ is such a big part of your life, your daily, everyday life, it should just come out in your normal speech. Not that you're going to, you know, beat somebody over the head with it, but, you know, I find that happens to me when I'm talking to somebody and I'll, I'll mention something about church or Jesus or something or other about the Bible says, and then they look at me like, where did that come from? I'm like, that's the way my mind works because that's what I'm putting in here, so that's what's coming out of here. So that's something to look at. If it's been a long time, what, what are you putting in? What, what are you? Are you in the Scripture? Are you in the Word? Do you have a love for Jesus that starts flowing out of you automatically? Um, people can tell the things you love. People know what teams you root for. People know what kind of cars you like to drive. People know that stuff by being around you. Do they know how much you love Jesus just by being around you? Is it coming out of you naturally? That's something that that I definitely want to look at.
um, there in this week too is because, you know, I had to ask my question that the other day, myself that question the other day because I thought, would God really fire me if I'm not doing my job? I thought, well, it does talk a lot about being lukewarm. I'd rather have you hot or cold, not lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. It says that there's going to be many that come to him on that day when judgment, and they're going to say, didn't I do this for you? Didn't I do this for you? And he's going to say, I never knew you. So it makes me think, okay, if I was going to get a job evaluation for being a Christian, what would I get? What would God rate me right now? So that's something, uh, again, we're going we're gonna to look at, at some of that stuff too, is am I missing some of the most basic key opportunities? Uh, not that, and, and like I said, we're going to talk about sharing your story. We're going to talk about how to get it into a two-minute synopsis so that you can leave them wanting more. It's better to, to give a two-minute, to talk for two minutes and have people ask you questions and ask more. Or you present that, and then the next time you talk to them, you unpack that just a little bit. And then as you build that relationship, you unpack it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And and how that works, and, and we can see in Scripture how that works too. So we're going to talk a lot about that um, in the coming weeks. But we have to be, as Christians, we're taking the name of Christ which means I'm a Christian, I'm a, a little Christ, it means I need to reflect in my life. I'm a reflection on Christ. I've taken his name. When ladies here that are, are married, when you got married, you took your husband's name. Now you represent him. He also represents you. You have the same name. You represent each other. Now if you were to say, I'm going to change my last name to somebody else's last name and tell people we're married. We're not married. He didn't ask me. doesn't even like me. thinks I'm kind of weird. And I'm going to change my last name. And I'm going to tell them that's my last name. Then we would call that, we would say you took their name in vain. You mistook their name. You're misrepresenting their name. Now that's something, a uh, whole other study, not open a can of worms there, but we hear in the, the Ten Commandments is don't take the Lord's name in vain, and we think that just means don't swear. And that's not all that means. That's our Western world saying this is all this means. But if you take his name in vain, you're putting his name on something that he didn't do. You're putting his name on yourself and misrepresenting Christ. So we don't want to misrepresent him by telling people, I am a Christian, and I don't live like it, and I don't do the things that, God's told me to do. He told me to go share the gospel, talk to everybody I meet, uh, teach people, and pass it along to people who will pass it along. But I don't do that. But I'm still going to say I'm a Christian. Well, I'm not reflecting what Christ is and what he's called me to do. So it's definitely what we've been called to do. I jumped online because I was curious on some of the ways that people say you should share how to tell people about Jesus. Okay, I first couple sites I went to pretty good. Third one absolutely a nightmare. Um, these are not good things to do. Okay, I will say <clears throat> there was twenty five ways. I put ten of them down here because they're not good. I do not recommend these things. But this is what people are saying to do. Um, number one thing they said to do was when people at work ask you what you did over the weekend, tell them you went to church and then try to give them a full synopsis of what the sermon was about. I don't feel like that's going to work for you. Um, I mean, maybe. Refuse to participate in, un in ungodly activities, then instruct everybody why you don't do it and let them know why they shouldn't either. Again, probably not going to make you the most popular person at work. Play the Christian radio in your car when you carpool and blast it and sing at the top of your lungs. Again, don't recommend that. You are going to anger a lot of people. Um, no, this was not the bad. This was actually somebody's website posting on how to do this. 
Um, read the Bible or other Christian books on your lunch break. People will notice and will ask you. Well, I'm not saying don't do that at your lunch break, but don't bank on them asking you um, as that's going to be your only witness. Having a garage sale, put some Bibles on the table and say, free, take one. It's not bad. You could give Bibles away, but that's not really evangelism. Ask, this one will not work right now, I guarantee you. Ask people their opinion about current events and then share your godly opinion on it. (laughs) Try that right now. See how that works. Do you own a business? Leave Bibles in the waiting room for people to read while they wait. Again, if they're not going to pick up a chick track in the bathroom, they're probably not going to thumb through the Bible while they're waiting for the doctor. Okay, here I'm going to step on some toes now. Share encouraging scripture versus memes, YouTube videos, and posts by your favorite Christian bloggers on your social media accounts. Again, not a bad thing to do, but that's not the extent of your telling people about Jesus. You're not done. Ten posts today, done, check mark in the box. You're not done. You're not done. Here's one that I can't even believe was on there because I would say don't do this. Uh, go into the bar and talk to people. Find out their life story and then tell them yours. I don't, I've known one person in my life that had a ministry in a bar. One person who could actually just go in there and talk to people about Jesus and he did it all the time. One person. Typically, if you're going to go, especially certain bars, and people see you on the bar stool all day long, they're going to start thinking something else. And like you said, you don't talk to drunk people about Jesus because, yeah, they'll make they'll do anything you want. Uh, wear T-shirts and jewelry with Christian themes on them. That was a big thing when I was a kid. Wear your Christian T-shirts. Um, most people didn't even realize what it was because it was supposed to look like a different kind of shirt. Um, my issue with with these things here isn't so much that they're all terrible things to do. The first two are. Uh, a little too in your face, when you're going to yell at people, you're going to argue with them, you're going to whatever, that's too much. The rest of them, to me, are passive-aggressive. We're just going to set this here, and you're going to pick it up, and you're going to do this. The same thing with the chick track. I'm going to leave it here, and now it's your job. I'm going to leave it. You're going to find it. Now it's your job to either come to Christ on your own or track me down and ask me about it. And that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say, go trick people into coming and talking to you. It says, go and talk to them. We can do this kind of stuff. I've known a few people that that do really well on Facebook. They put stuff on there. People call them. People, you know, uh, put posts on there, whatever. They talk to them about Jesus. That's great. As long as there's follow-up there, that's fantastic. Um, Nothing wrong with posting something on Facebook. But again, if we think that that's all we have to do as far as our calling to tell people about Jesus, that's not enough. That's not the extent that God has told us to do. Um, one of the other ones I saw was, go to Starbucks, tell them your name is Jesus Loves Me, and then they have to shout out your name. So they yell, Jesus Loves Me, and then you go, do you really believe that? And then you lead into that. Again, I don't think that's a great thing to do. Um, it's just, it gets me, people try to be creative um, in that, and I'm going, what, what are you you're getting a little too cutesy? It's not that difficult. I think we, we psych ourselves out because we think it's some big thing that we have to come up with a great spiel uh, or great, you know, presentation. We've got to have our PowerPoint. We've got to have our Romans road or we've got to do whatever, you know, we've got to pull our card out. And that's something that throughout the next six weeks, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. This is not going to be a, you're doing everything wrong, let me tell you everything you're doing wrong, and let me make you feel crappy about yourself, because that's how it is. It's not going to be one of those. It's not going to be evangelism for dummies. It's not going to be you get a a checklist at the end, and you go and you mark all the boxes, and this is how you do it. The goal is to, to show you that this is an everyday thing that you can do. It's not difficult. It's literally telling people your story. Here's what God did for me in my life. You're, you, you see somebody who is struggling. 
this is what Jesus did for me. I'm sure he can do something for you too. This is not making empty promises and saying, hey, if you do this, you're going to be rich, you're going to be whatever, it's going to be great, you're going to have the best life that you've ever had, blah, blah, blah. It's not that either. It's a matter of sharing what Christ did for me. I can't tell your story like you can tell your story. You can't tell my story like I can tell my story. But I can tell my story firsthand. This is what I saw God do in my life. And the Bible says he can do it for you as well. We're not going to overthink it. We're not going to oversell it. But we're not going to underthink it. So we're, we're going to try to hit that happy medium and see, okay, how exactly do we present that in a way that is not pushy, it's not overwhelming, but it's not timid. How do I plant that seed? When do I know to plant the seed and walk away? When do I know to water the seed and walk away? When do I know when it's time to harvest that seed? And how do I not jump the gun on that and try to harvest when I haven't even finished planting it yet? Try to rip that thing out because I want that check mark. You know, I want that notch on, the, on my belt saying, I got another one for Christ. We all have a role. It's plant, water, reap. In your life, you are going to plant at some point. You are going to water at some point. You are going to reap at some point. Some people do a lot more of one than the other. And that's just the way it is. But if we're hitting uh, the target where God wants us to be is we are doing exactly, we're speaking to, into the lives of the people that he's put into our life, into the appropriate time. You know, not a great thing. Uh, be tactful. Go to somebody's funeral and ask, somebody, ask their widow, if you died today, where would you go? Tactful, you know. Don't do that. But how do you live your life in such a way that people can see Jesus through you? And then how do you use that and, and plant those seeds? Water that seed. Watch God grow that and then harvest it when it's ready. So that's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. We'll have handouts at some point. We'll have PowerPoints some weeks. Some weeks we'll have both. Um, we're going to go through, and uh, I, I really want to spend some time on a, on a couple things because I really want to dig into a few scriptures, particularly to see this is what happened. I mean, there's, there's scriptures where Paul went out and he spoke and he told people about Jesus, and they got saved. There's other times that they said, man, I'm going to think about it. There's other times where they ran him out of town. We're going to look at all that. You know, if he didn't get them all, I'm probably not going to get them all. But I'm going to get some. So I'm going to try them all. See how many I can get. It's not about numbers, but numbers are people. So uh, that's definitely something that's important to me, important to God, and should be important to all of us. So, what time am I? 7.30. I think that's a good place to stop before I get into the whole next section there. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a little more about um, planting the seed, watering, reaping. We're going to look at Paul and, uh, and his trip to Rome and what he did um, and how that worked out for him. And then, you know, we're going to spend some time on um, some different things out of there. We're going to look at some practical things to do now. Um, and honestly, how has things changed with COVID? Because, you know... The six-feet rule with some people are way, you know, they're locked in the house. They don't want to go anywhere. Other people are okay with it. So how do we do that? I mean, that's a whole new thing, too. So that's something that, you know, we kind of brainstorm together and, and we'll come up with some great ideas. And the goal in this is not to um, spend six weeks talking about it and then never do anything with it. So we're going to actually do something with it. The goal is to get it, share it. So that's where we're going to be at. All right? All right. I'm going to close with some prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for your, God, for your love and just your, your desire for us to be with you. God, I just thank you that you have chosen us. God, and I pray that you will give us the 
wisdom, the strength, God, and the willingness to go out and share what you have called us to do. God, I pray that you will help us to to see the opportunities, even in this coming week, as to the peoples who you put in our path, in our life. God, help us to see those opportunities. Help us to share who you are with them. God, not just uh, something that's rehearsed or uh, something we remembered of Scripture, God, but actually share who you are to us. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to do that, for us to do our part in this. In Jesus' name, amen.